0: Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Total Fertility Podcast, where we explore the minds of experts from all different walks of life. Our aim is to make your fertility journey just that little bit easier. I'm Ed Coates, a fertility specialist and co-founder of the website TotalFertility.co.uk, where we connect you to all kinds of resources that inform you, empower you and encourage you on your way to finding your fertility. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Nikki Turner, who is a lead fertility nurse at Oxford Fertility. Now, Nikki has over 25 years experience caring for patients with fertility difficulties, but she's also faced her own fertility challenges, having been a fertility patient too. I think Nikki has quite a unique perspective looking at fertility treatment, both as a patient and from a fertility nurse perspective. I should add as well that our wonderful graphics for this podcast, which you see each week, are designed by Nikki's rather talented daughter, Caitlin who arrived as a result of a successful fertility treatment cycle. I'm looking forward to hearing from someone who really has lived and breathed fertility all her life and has such a wealth of experience. So let's get started. Welcome Nikki to the podcast. Thank you. Lovely to have you with us. Um, uh, I hope you're uh, feeling relaxed and able to, uh, I'm going to delve right into your mind Nikki tonight. I want to know everything about you because I've worked with you for nine months but You're quite unique because you've been looking after fertility patients for over 25 years. uh, But you've also been a fertility patient yourself. And I think your honesty tonight, your authenticity is what we really love. And I think our listeners will really get a lot of value from listening to you. So I'm going to ask you just to kick off and just tell us how on earth did you get into becoming a fertility nurse?
1: So when I qualified in 1990, I went to work on the local gynaecology ward in Plymouth where I trained and I just loved women's health and looking after women. gyne is such a varied um, aspect of healthcare. You you know, you're not only dealing with surgical kind of interventions for all the uh, hysterectomies and kind of everything else involved but you're also looking after women perhaps that then we used to look after women that were having terminations for abnormalities and looking after infertility patients. So it's, it was such a varied area of healthcare that I just loved. And I love the one-to-one nursing involved, looking after, you know, these very vulnerable women going through all sorts of, you know, healthcare issues with their health, um, you know, as a woman as well. And I just, you know, really enjoyed. And I just felt, a draw to the kind of infertility side of it, you know, listening to these women's stories. You know, often if they were in the gynae ward, it was because there were issues involved. So we might have sort of hyperstimulation women. And it just sort of piqued my interest in that area of healthcare. And at the time, you know, I loved working on the gynae ward, I was a senior staff nurse there, and um, I met my husband. So we met on a blind date and um, one of my friends that I worked with was um, married to somebody who was in the forces. And being in Plymouth, I'd avoided going out with anyone in the forces <laughs> because it, it is a naval and a marine tang And, you know, the uh, the kind of Navy guys and the Marine guys were always you know had a, a reputation for kind of
0: surely you know not.
1: love them and leave them so <laughs> i'd avoided any contact with anyone in in the military and then um my friend that i was working with rang me up when i was on a late shift and said nick do you fancy coming out you know mix got um five army friends down they on a bench training and uh, it's just you and me and five army blokes and i was like oh that sounds like a bit fun So I went out on a night out and met my husband. And that and uh, and
0: that is Russ, isn't it? Your husband. That is. So two two people, both in uniform. And that was 35 years ago or more? Uh,
1: not, uh, that was that was not that. That was 27 okay. years ago I'm that I met unkind. him. So, yeah. And I'm not that old.
0: So, but, so I'm not back, that old. Oh, I'm very unkind. You'll <laughs> tell me off when I next see you. Um, but you so you were both then obviously working. Russ was working in the forces. You were uh, a student nurse or a, uh, you were nursing by that point? No, I was, I was qualified. No, I was qualified, qualified nurse. And you decided that fertility was going to be your career. Um mm.
1: But by kind of, you know, not accident, but, you know, there wasn't an IVF unit in Plymouth. There was a kind of a fertility set up. But, you know, and I spoke to the nurse that was um, running the the fertility side of it because I was interested. Um, I kind of toyed with the idea of going into midwifery, but it didn't kind of really float my boat, I guess, at the time. And then Russ was based in Tidworth in Wiltshire. And I was trying to find a job perhaps that was more central so that we could be together. And um, I happened to come across the advert in the Nursing Times um, for the Oxford fertility. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a there's a job come up. This looks amazing. So I applied and got an interview and went for that interview. Actually, around about this time, um because i think i went for my interview for the job on my birthday so it was around about this time back in 1995 that um i went for that interview and
0: uh the rest is history
1: yeah the rest is history got the job
0: and you you know you've been looking after couples individuals single ladies same sex couples for for more than two decades um plus having been a fertility patient yourself as you'll probably get on to explain how much have you learnt, and, and and how much when you look back at the Nikki Turner that started out and applied for that job right at the beginning to where you are now? Because you have such a wealth of experience, and and I think that's why I wanted to to speak to you because I think a lot of patients have a huge amount of fear when they approach fertility. Um, where are you now in terms of 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 helping patients with all that experience? How do you sort of how do you get it across?
1: I guess it's just listening to um, patients and just talking to them and, and really hearing um, what their fears are and their stories because everybody has a different story. Everyone's treatment and um, journey that they're on is different. We're all different. None of us has the same journey when you're going through all of this. You know, we all have probably similar fears and that that biggest fear is is that you'll never be a parent and um, but we all have different journeys to get to that and um, I think the most key thing is always to, to listen and, and talk to these patients and hear what they have to say and validate kind of their you know fears and, and anxieties that they have I think that's so important never to let go of that kind of thought I, I think that's you know key to being a good fertility nurse is to listen
0: I I mean I've definitely seen that with the in just the nine months we've we've got to know each other when I've been working with you just the um that 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 passion that you have for the specialty but also you you really do live it I mean you work very long hours um it's um but it's a subject that you've obviously spent pretty much most of your life being involved with uh, on a personal level but also from a career point of view how I mean fertility and fertility difficulties come in all shapes and sizes um, how do you even begin to process that not not just as a patient when you're first facing it but but also from a nursing point of view how do you begin to help people because it is it's I think it's one of the most brutal things out there and it's often under talked about as we know but um, with all that experience you have how do you begin to to help patients or what advice do you have to patients who, who may be finding out for the people that listen to this for the first time who may have just found out that they've got fertility difficulties?
1: I think it's the most important thing is to talk to your specialist um you know your doctor your specialist nurse don't always believe everything you read on the internet you know Dr Google isn't always your friend and there's a lot of misinformation out there you know I'm grateful that when I was doing my treatment that the internet didn't have as much misinformation as it does now, because I think it um, adds to patients' anxieties. You know, you're anxious enough going through all of this. And I think, you know, sometimes the internet's not always your friend. And I think the most important thing, the key thing is to find a good clinic or specialist that you trust and make sure that you you know you engage with them and talk to them because that that's going to be your best way of getting through this definitely
0: and in terms of the mindset facing the sort of impossible challenge of not being able to get pregnant it's a pretty lonely place I'd imagine
1: it's a very isolating experience to go through infertility and what it does is it changes you so much when you're going through it I can't begin to sort of explain, you know, the best way that I could explain it, it was when I was doing my treatment, it was like holding your breath. So it would be, I'd start this journey of another cycle and it would be like I was holding my breath for the entire time as I went through it, because you knew, once you start on that journey, it's either going to end in devastation or, you know, complete joy. And, um, you know wherever you end up whether that's being with a negative result or a positive you know it's like when you get to the end of that you exhale and it's just wow that was intense that's certainly sort of how i found it anyway when i was going through
0: yeah it's that fear that that fear of that impending doom and not having mm-hmm. any I, I mean certainly over the years you know i've done this for about 10 years now uh, uh less than yourself your good self but it's that lack of control it as well. It is, yeah, definitely. And I've, um, if you were to kind of, uh, I mean, you've looked after literally thousands of people, but also having been through it yourself. If you if you imagine somebody who's never, who's found out literally the last week that they are, are struggling with difficulties, what's your advice to them? And um, and what is, it, what is it like walking into a fertility clinic for the first time? Can you take us through the journey that, that a patient might experience when they walk in or step into a fertility clinic? I
1: think kind of, especially, you know, obviously in an IVF unit, um, we are often the end of the line. They've been through a a lot of processes to get to walk into that clinic. So before they even get to us, they may well have been through different NHS fertility clinics, you know, with investigations to try and find out the cause of their infertility. They might have been going back and forth to their GP to just try and even be heard that um, there's an issue. Um, I think things have massively improved in the kind of two and a half decades that I've been doing this, where before the main focus definitely was on the woman. And now I think it is as a couple. Um, So and I think that's important. You know, if you've you know, you need to look at both sides um, or even in the last sort of two and a half decades, that we've seen more single women coming through for treatment that's increased um, massively which is fantastic same-sex couples um, coming through both male and female and I think it's you know it's an incredible journey that they can go on now that um, things are much more open and people are supported you know in their journey and quest to become parents and I think it's great you know it's um, certainly improved over the last you know 25 years since i've been in the field in in how we look after people as well
0: so we we obviously try and support a lot of patients when they when they are facing um daunting moments when they don't know what treatment's going to mean for them they don't know what the outcomes are the outcomes certainly aren't guaranteed um what sort of advice have you got for people that are facing that sort of that, that Mount Everest that seems insurmountable. Um, what's what's the best way to approach it? Either as an individual, as a couple, same-sex couple, because the mindset is, is essentially the same. You know, you have a you have this challenge with an out a guaranteed outcome. What what's what's your top tips to kind of uh, approach that sort of and 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 remain healthy?
1: I think obviously find out as much as you can in terms of being informed, because I think um, you know any treatment that you're going to be doing, you, you need to be informed of what is going on at each stage, you know, read, uh, read the information that's out there for you. Certainly any clinic will provide you with, um, much needed, important kind of written information. And that's essential. You do need to read through everything, ask questions if you don't, and can't think of questions at the time, because it is when you're sat in front of somebody, you know, your, your specialist. Your kind of mind goes blank as well, so I always find kind of writing things down as much as kind of when you know you get some patients that bring out probably two A four sides of, of questions, we know that they've probably thought about a lot, and you may well answer those um, going through your kind of talk with them. Um, I, I, there's nothing more satisfying when I, I you know, I, I do a consultation with a couple to do their consent. And, and, and doing informed consent that they kind of have a list of questions and I've probably answered the majority of them before they can even ask them so I think you know write things down because you do forget and um, ask ask questions because that is key to to you understanding and feeling more empowered and um, not being in control of your treatment because ultimately there's so many things that you can't control going through this whole process and it's understanding that that sometimes you have to let that control go and trust trust your clinic and that's key i think to going through treatment definitely
0: yeah and cho- choosing a clinic you feel comfortable with where the staff yeah. are comfortable and there's many ways to do that aren't there yeah, you can definitely. go to information evenings and um, and there's so many clinics out there now there's so many different options it's important to kind of really research what your options are who's working in the clinics and, and feel totally comfortable yeah. with the yeah. whole setup how valuable did uh, i mean did you and russ um ever go through fertility counseling that's something that's really available nowadays is it something that you how, how much value do you place on fertility counseling for patients
1: i think it's it's a definite for some people it's not for everybody for me personally i just probably anecdotally chatted to our counsellors um, rather than a formal. I think we all deal with things in a very, very different way. Mm, sure. And when I suggest counselling to patients, it's not because I think that they're going to wave a magic wand and make everything better because nobody can do that. What I think counselling does is it enables you to find tools um, of support. And um, I think that's vital, that you need that um sometimes pointing in the right direction, maybe to kind of help you find coping strategies. So I think counselling is absolutely, um, you know, a a key part of any clinic that you have to have good counsellors working alongside. And it's completely independent, you know, and I think that's the important thing that they can offload to that counsellor. You know, you can't always talk to your partner or, you know, if you're a single person you can't always necessarily offload or maybe if you've got parents supporting you um they don't always understand and i think you know you you do need to sometimes offload onto somebody else and take that burden off your shoulders um so it is vital definitely counseling
0: yeah i mean it's clear i think what you've touched on there is really important i think we're all it's there isn't a one size fits all model to this and everyone's very different in not only in our coping strategies how we approach it but also um in terms of what's available there for you some people's jobs don't allow them to uh, to have time to to discuss with people and friends, and some people don't want to. Um, no. It always amazes me. Now, I mean, IVF Babel have done some incredible work to just try and get the conversation started, haven't they? And hopefully, yeah. we'll be speaking with them at some at some stage during our podcast series. But it's um, I I mean, during your time, um, you've obviously you'll have seen some some incredible highs, uh, but also incredible lows. But often those highs and lows often happen with the same the same couple or the same yeah. individual can you kind of think back to in that 25 years of any particular instances which really sort of stand out for you where maybe people were fa- staring into what seemed like the abyss but but actually there is there is hope sometimes there isn't there for patients who definitely. who feel like it's not possible
1: yeah definitely you know I've got a, a couple that I've been very involved with um just I think they you know, been and had treatments somewhere else, um, a, a few, quite a few cycles and then came to us and I, um, went through many failed cycles with them for, for different reasons. And, um, I can remember getting them to go and see Tim Child, who's our medical director, um, because I trust his kind of very honest outlook that he has. He doesn't, um, doesn't flower things up and I think some patients just need that sort of very honest opinion and I can remember him saying to them you just need to keep trying because there isn't a magic answer to why things just don't work they just don't sometimes and um, eventually she did get pregnant and you know I wasn't the one to do her transfer um, but I still rejoiced in the fact that they got pregnant because I'd been on that journey with them um, and that was a lot of cycles to get there Um, and you know she had a very early labour because of her medical history and um, you know then kind of seeing them go through that that kind of trauma of you know an early labour at 26 weeks but you know she has a beautiful little boy and I think Mm. kind of it, you know I've wept tears of happiness it's with, magical. with them yeah and you know she's a a very dear friend as well so um yeah no,
0: it's magical and I mean that's what makes the, the the job so worth doing it's one of the best jobs in the world I have to say yeah, but it, it does have highs and lows yeah. and um I think we've all experienced those with um with your own personal story um yourself and Russ are we allowed <laughs> to talk about that? Yeah, of course you can. So you and Russ, um, tell us what happened there, because obviously you met this this dashing guy in um, his uniform uh, in no, the he southwest. Wasn't in uniform. <laughs> he wasn't in uniform. Okay, not by the time you got to the pub. Not at the pub. <laughs> it's frowned so t- on. <laughs> so because obviously male fertility is not something that is is easily talked about, and a lot of men don't often feel. Often, I think you know, I, I, as a man and uh, and having friends and, and male friends who've been through this. It's a difficult subject for men as well, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it is. I mean, I guess ours was an unconventional male infertility because, um, you know, at what age was I? 26 when I met him. Did I think I was going to fall in love with a divorced of three children um, man? No, I didn't. Um, But you can't help you fall in love with. And basically because Russ had had a family, he'd had a vasectomy, And when the army does vasectomies, they do vasectomies very, very well. And um, we had it reversed. Um, I can remember Russ and I sitting when we were kind of in the early throes of our kind of, you know, relationship. And him saying to me, you know, what would be your one regret in life? And for me, it would have been never to have had a family. So he knew it was important to me, probably from pretty much the start of our relationship. So when I moved up to Oxford uh, in 95, we didn't start pursuing, um, kind of trying to have a family probably for a couple of years. And then in 97, he had a reversal done, um, which we paid for, obviously privately. And as I said, you know, when the army does a vasectomy, they do it very, very well. And it was a very difficult op. And although it worked initially, um unfortunately six weeks after russ had had the reversal he got sent to bosnia for six months oh and- no <laughs> so off he toddles to bosnia and in that time you know as you know with vasectomy reversals scar tissue the longer it's been done yeah. scar tissue forms and it, you know it um had stopped working so when he got back from bosnia um We did a a sample and found out that actually it was no longer any good. And I can just remember that devastation when we found out that, you know, the the reversal had um, unfortunately been unsuccessful and um, just thinking, oh, my God, we've now got to go down this road of doing IVF. If we want to have a family, that's the only way that we can get to to our, our end dream, really. So it probably took me from 98 till I would say probably the end of 99 to kind of get my head around it. So it probably took me over a year to finally think we need to do
0: this that's that intrigues me what you've just said there because it is people uh have the news that they need fertility help but it's it takes a little bit of time doesn't it to to get your head around that and what it means for you how did you go about approaching that because you you went into your relationship knowing what the deal was but then obviously. The reality of we need assisted conception it's it's a big deal isn't it for it people is.
1: yeah you know and I was kind of you know the age I guess I turned 30 in 98 so you kind of think okay if we're going to do it we need to do it fairly soon because obviously you want the best success rate so you know I knew all of this because I worked in the field um so kind of Getting my head around it, and then thinking, right, how are we going to do this? Because we now need to, you know, Russ needs to have either a testicular biopsy or um, a surgical sperm retrieval. So, and at the time, the we have a policy of not treating staff in house in the clinic, but facilitate them going sort of to to other clinics. So, I ended up going down to the Hammersmith and the um, consultants, so um, my consultant at the time referred us down there to see one of the consultants down at Hammersmith and we kind of went down as a couple and then Russ um, got booked in to have a biopsy done so that we could store sperm and that was the start of our journey, I guess we did that sometime towards the end of 1999 I think it was and then we're getting ready to start on our, on IVF cycle. So it took me a good, I would say, 18 months to kind of, well, probably a year to pluck up the courage and then and then we kind of just embarked on that journey then.
0: It does, uh, and you touched on something else there, it's also really relevant. And I, I think when I first started doing um, the, the specialty uh, about 10 years ago and then obviously in more recent times more IVF, it's it does take a long time, doesn't it? Sometimes from that diagnosis to to even starting IVF in in yeah. some people's cases because of all these additional steps. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I
1: said we're often at the end of that long journey yeah. that couples have been on, and, and it's often why you'll you'll get couples very um, very anxious and fed up because you know finally they're here, and um, and I think that's you know it is difficult. And that's why you have to understand that sometimes when patients react, they're just reacting at the situation, not necessarily at you. You're just the sounding board for them to uh, be able to offload all their frustrations. And, you know, they're fed up, basically, by the time they get to us.
0: That's right. It's such a frustrating position to be in for so many people and not Mm. being able to control those things Mm. and and be able to do something that changes something, I think, must be just so 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 difficult um how how do you think your personal experiences have has sort of helped you to help them if that makes sense because obviously that was many years ago and, and you've yeah. then gone on and you've been working in in this specialty and in this area helping thousands of people um through those challenging times um what would you say has been the sort of the biggest learning point for you um uh, not f- from your own fertility struggles and, and how do you imp- help, how does that help you in part? all your knowledge to to couples that you, you know are struggling?
1: I think the most important thing I probably could have gone through was failing, so not getting pregnant. So having had two failed cycles probably has been my biggest learning curve because I think what it's done is I can't, you know, it's not about, you're not projecting your, what you've been through onto patients it's not about that what it's about is understanding you can have so much empathy with what they're going through and i think that's the key for me and i don't i'm not i don't hide the fact that i've been through fertility treatment and i'm very happy to talk about it but it's not important for patients to know necessarily that you've been through unless it gives them some form of I guess support and help to let them know that actually I do know what you're experiencing because I have been there myself and when I feel it's appropriate I will share it with with couples um, or with patients and you can just see that light bulb moment go on in their eyes that they think ah actually you do understand and I think that's where I've kind of helped patients I guess going through it as well. Well,
0: I hopefully have anyway. Well, you eventually had success and you and Russ had two girls.
1: We did. We have twin girls, yeah.
0: And they're not of the age now where they'll be sleeping. They'll be, I'd imagine. Well, I
1: think, well, they're, they're 18, well, 18 and a half. And, yeah, um, they're clearing out the fridge. and <laughs> Yeah, no, one of them's gone up the pub. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: with our boyfriend. Good. <laughs> and, and the other one's in the uh, other room. So, uh, yeah, no, it's... So It was literally just, I can still now, you know, bearing in mind that was, gosh, 2002 we found out and I can still remember that feeling of doing the pregnancy test at five o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, with me and my husband just stood there waiting to sort of see the um, little blue dot come up on the, the pregnancy test. I can still vividly remember it even
0: sort of that those many many years ago Quite yeah it, i mean it, it, it and particularly in the contrast of having had those failed cycles first it must have just mm. been a moment of jumping for joy it was um yeah i mean it's um it's some it's a it gives people hope it does it, it can it can work um but what would be i mean for patients that really are listening to this who are either facing this for the first time or maybe have been through many failed cycles or, or, or possibly a giving up hope what would you i mean what would you say what are your top tips i guess for getting through ivf what, what what would nikki turner say to to patients what would you advise to kind of is it is it is it withdrawing yourself is it engaging with people what what did you what do you find really helps in terms of of surviving it
1: So the only way I could probably get through it myself when I was doing it was to take it one day at a time, and that's the only way I could get through it. There was no point in me going off and thinking, and I guess especially being a fertility nurse, knowing exactly all the pitfalls and um, kind of all the things that you could fail on. I just tried to take it one day at a time, and that's hard, and I'm quite a pragmatic sort of level-headed person but it you know it used to send me completely you know nuts going through it when I was doing it myself. I can remember doing my um, hormone levels before I'd started treatment and then just because we only had FSH to to look at your kind of ovarian reserve then your follicle stimulating hormone now we've got much better ways of looking at reserve and I can remember doing it once and it was um, 7.8, and I thought that that was disastrous and I was never going to respond to the treatment. And you just end up, um, I guess, just looking at all the negative sides of it when you're going through it. So I guess for me, one step at a time, and I did need to talk about it. I didn't talk about it to everyone, but I had a good group of support networks. So, you know, my mum. Um, was amazing um, I talked to her a lot um, did
0: talking help Nikki
1: yeah it did it did I, I'm I'm a big talker anyway as you can tell I know
0: I know <laughs> there's um, a reason why our meetings take so long at work
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I am you know I am somebody that does I, I just find you know for me sharing was helping and I one of the sort of senior embryologists at work who's worked there for a very long time it was. is a very very good friend of mine and she was my rock going through it Amazing. and um, you know I would just offload to her she'd also been through treating herself which you won't mind me saying so she had an understanding of what it was like to go through it as well um, so I just used to, to, to talk really um, and I think that helped massively but I understand also that you know not everyone's the same not everyone wants to talk about it which I guess is where the the um, counselling side comes in definitely but that was the way that I got through it definitely
0: amazing Nikki thank you so much for your honesty and your heartfelt words and for talking to us we've known each other now for just under a year and I've always been in total awe of how much reassurance encouragement support you give all of your fertility patients every day of the week so please don't stop don't retire early you are very much needed Some fantastic advice there for anyone who is struggling with their fertility or perhaps just trying to work out the best way to approach things and the challenges in front of them. It's such a private area of your life, your fertility, and not everyone will want to speak about it, so we have to respect that. But I've certainly seen over the years the power it can have talking to help people who are struggling, feeling low, and just fed up with their situation. Our next episode is going to be chatting with a real hero of mine. This is someone who has never had it easy. She has a great sense of humor uh, and has fought and battled with everything that life has thrown at her. And she's a real inspiration. Claire Lomas has had to adjust her entire life to live it to the full. She's had her own fertility problems from a very young age, but she came through those. Uh, But it's really her mindset and her approach to challenge that interests me. Here's a taster of what's to come.
1: I could either sit there and think about what I'd not got, uh, what I had lost, um, and the list felt very, very long, um, or had the choice of thinking of what I had got, being grateful, um, and what I could do, what, what was possible for me. Um, there's obviously you know, a lot of things that came to a grinding halt, but this is now an opportunity to explore new things, um, and that's, that's the route I took, thankfully. Um, and I have. I've done things that I'd never have done if it wasn't for, for you know, what was probably the worst time in my life. Um, it's led me to some of the best times in my life.
0: So I think this promises to give us all a real glimpse into the mindset required to keep yourself looking forwards. Please look out for the next episode of the Total Fertility Podcast. In the meantime, I hope you've had an enjoyable time listening in and tuning in to Nikki Turner. If you want to find out more information about your own fertility, do look at our pages on totalfertility.co.uk. And please, let's all of us keep the conversation going. Whoever you are, you may be listening to this for someone who you know is going through fertility difficulties. Just remember, you could make a huge difference to how that person's feeling. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and we look forward to having you with us next time.